0: Good morning campers.
1: Good morning campers. Today's activities include, oh, making a little wager.
0: Lunch today will be polo mints. Other mints are available.
1: And to end the n- <laughs> And to end the night, we will be ringing in the new millennium.
0: Uh, so put on your sunscreen, bug spray and camp uniform as we dive into Blackadder back and forth.
1: Black Adder back and fourth.
0: Yeah, you get both a back Marish- and a fourth in this one.
1: <laughs> Ooh, two for the price of one. <laughs> and in half the time, no less. Marishka Hargate Sarah. Marishka
0: Hargate Sam.
1: I am your camp counselor, Sam, an ex pro wrestler in training and current drag wrestler manager.
0: And I'm camp counselor, Sarah. I'm a very naughty girl. And we're here to ask, is it camp? We're diving into popular culture of all kinds to loosely identify what makes something camp.
1: We are not here to be the definitive experts on it, but rather just talk about this often overlooked and frankly queer subgenre. So, we are in the final week of the holiday season and what better way to do a final week of the holiday season than to do something about New Year's?
0: Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. remember this as mainly wh- being like, you know, a holiday special, but I did forget just how precisely it is a New Year's special.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there, there's a very distinctly different feel between what New Year's specials do versus what holiday specials do. It's like, even though there's just a week of time between the two, the energy is very different.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you a big New Year's guy?
1: Oh, I'm a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like a New Year's, uh, but I'm not one for going out to a club or something and just drinking the place down and waking up the next day with massive regrets like <laughs> i'll do some drinking but uh my my friends and i have this lovely tradition that we did for oh gosh how many years who knows how many and we'd watch the same two films every new year's eve the most new years films we could think about
0: okay so new year's Bloodsport eve by... and
1: roadhouse
0: <laughs> no, blood sport
1: and roadhouse
0: <laughs> so there's no connection there's no connection
1: Absolutely none. Bloodsport (laughs) and Roadhouse.
0: Just because you can?
1: Just because we can. And we love the movies. They're great movies. Like, holy shit, are they good movies. Roadhouse Roadhouse is a goddamn masterpiece. (laughs) And, oh, oh, maybe we'll cover it for next New Year's or something. That would be fun. But it's just, it's, it's a movie that does so many things in it that you're just, wow all those things were in the script weren't they? Amazing
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm similar. I usually uh, I I tried to go out and do the club thing once and I wound up feeling sick by like 10.30 and went home (laughs) early Yeah, I'm very much a like stay in fall asleep by 11, get woken up by fireworks, go huh, and roll back to sleep (laughs)
1: You're that meme of the person on the computer, and the fireworks are going off, and they angrily get up, and they close the blinds and go back to the computer, except your computer is asleep.
0: Exactly. The computer of the mind.
1: The computer of the mind. Ooh.
0: Now, I don't remember... um... Faithful campers may remember that we were planning to cover Blackadder on a previous episode, but due to various issues, we wound up not doing that. Um, But have we discussed at all our histories with Blackadder?
1: I don't believe we have.
0: So do you remember finding Blackadder for the first time or was it just in your life? I think it
1: was just in my life. It was always kind of there. Like I'm sure my parents watched it or relatives watched it, and it, you know, it would be on uh, PBS or or whatever equivalent of uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, public broadcasting television, TVO maybe here,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it would occasionally pop on. And I remember watching episodes, but I don't have any distinct memory of when that happened. I think it just was, right? Mm-hmm. Did you have like a specific ooh, Black Adder moment yourself?
0: Yeah, I've never seen Blackadder on TV. When I was a teenager, I was trying to find it because it was one of those things that like I knew that it existed through cultural osmosis and I knew that it was Uh, supposed to be funny. I think I'd seen um, Jeeves and Worcester by that point. And -hmm. and so I knew like it was a bunch of the same people, and it was supposed to be very, very funny. So I really wanted to find it. However, at that point, this would have been, you know, the early 2000s. And when I say the early 2000s, I mean the very early 2000s. Like, 2004 at the latest. Um, My Uh, Video store didn't have it, of course. And my library didn't have the tapes. But it did have audio tapes of Series 3 and Series 4. Now, why these were released, I have no idea. Because it's not... (laughs) These are not adaptations. These are not radio dramas. This is the audio of the episodes in Series 3 and Series 4, which are the Regency and the World War One series. uh, Put onto tape with audience laughing sounds and that's it and these were obviously not like bootleg i got them officially from the library uh so i would listen to those because that was the closest thing that i had and i know that i would miss a ton of it but i would be like yes this is this is getting me closer to my goal of seeing blackadder and then eventually i think i was able to um, to find the dvds and i bought them i still have Series 3 and Series 4. Those are my favorites.
1: (laughs) Oh, I so desperately want to see this Blackadder thing that everyone keeps raving about. I guess I'll settle for no visual, all audio jokes.
0: That's the thing. I I wonder about the early Doctor Who fans who saved audio of the missing episodes by being like, I'm just going to set up a recorder next to the TV. And then I go, oh, that's basically what I was doing. I was like, this is the closest I'll ever get. You know, back when it was like, it's 1964 and we don't have reruns. I guess I'll just listen to this terrible audio tape I made.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, I, I love the episode where Blackadder goes, wow, what a truly horrible thing that I will never describe and can only be seen visually. But you'll understand what I mean, correct, audience?
0: Yeah, you know how pulling faces and visual comedy translates great into audio? <laughs> <laughs> that really is a mystery i should track down one day why those tapes were made
1: that's yeah that's that's just it's that's such a weird thing i remember having like an audio tape version of raiders of the lost ark but it was very much like an audio novel of raiders of the lost ark yeah if that makes I, any sense i think
0: there were um Star Wars radio adaptations too.
1: Mm hmm. Hmm. Interesting. A bizarre little artifact. Yeah. Anyway. Um so,
0: uh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Yes, I was just gonna say on to background. What do you have for background for us this week, Sarah?
0: Well, this takes place on December 31st, 1999, so I started thinking about it, and it's, it's kind of weird for people who weren't alive or who were very young back then, um, because I don't think there's a way to convey just how big the millennium was. So I was like, what what mm-hmm. can describe that feeling? Like The fact that Blackadder had been away for 10 years, and it finally comes back, and this is the event that it comes back for, right? So we are going to talk about a little thing called the Y2K bug and why it's greatly misunderstood.
1: Yes, uh, I, I very much remember this being the huge part of the zeitgeist at the time and worrying that, oh no... The year 2000 is going to roll around. All the computers are going to suddenly die. Airplanes will fall out of the sky and the world as we know it will come to an end as society crumbles. So naturally that New Year's Eve, it was me and a bunch of like 11, 12 year old boys having a sleepover and playing super smash bros. (laughs) Because what better way to ring in society's inevitable decline than with super smash bros?
0: (laughs) This is the way the world ends. <laughs> Getting into angry yeah. fights with your friends.
1: Yeah, not with a bang, but with a Ooh! as Kirby turns into a brick.
0: Very nice. Yeah, I remember I was uh, I was hanging out with my mom because again I was twelve years old. <laughs> uh, I was hanging out with my mom on New Year's Eve. I say that <laughs> like it's not how I spend most of my New Year's Eves now, um, and we watched like. <laughs> the the fireworks over the Sydney Opera House. Because we were living in BC too. We were one of the very last time zones uh, for the millennium to start in. So we were like, yeah, it's uh it's been completely fine in the sixteen other time zones. I guess we don't need to worry here. But that was the thing, is that computers yeah. would uh would f- flip over to OO in their calendar and suddenly they would go it's 1900 we don't know how to be computers they didn't have computers back then and planes would fall out of the sky
1: yeah that's how it was described to me too like the computers are smart enough to play you know doom on them and and whatnot but the second they're confronted with a time paradox they all go it does not compute and explode or something
0: Yeah, the consciousness of the computers was a big part of this, which looking back I'm like, okay, we were children, they were trying to explain it to us, but that is weird. Mm Hmm. So do you know why we got into this whole mess in the first place?
1: No, I don't. I, I think I had a friend try to explain to me Kevin, I believe it was Kevin, because we all have a friend called Kevin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he explained to me that Y2K is absolutely a serious thing and is wasn't a joke at the time. But I was still like, oh, I don't know, computer stuff, brain doesn't work too well.
0: <laughs> yes, you have stumbled into my thesis. So when you think about computer programming, you have to go back very, very early, relatively speaking, and think about the way it was when these languages were being set up. So if you go to, like, the years of early IBM computers and punch cards and things like that, when you have information that you're trying to put through on something very small, something that doesn't have a lot of what we would consider now storage, you want to put as much information into there as possible. So because of that, you want to cut out as much information as you possibly can. So, for example, if you're saying January 1st, 1999, you would just put that as 010199. You don't need to put the 19 in there. It's the 1950s. Everybody knows Mm. the 19 is implied. Okay, Yep. So because of this, we start to have issues as early as 1958 was when this was first detected. um, Because you have programs mimicking programs mimicking programs using the same languages over and over and over again So the first person to publicly address this was a guy called Bob Bemer. I think it's that it may be Bob Beamer. He worked at IBM and he did a lot of work on genealogical software so he was um, able to think you know, okay, so if we continue this pattern a couple generations a generation is a big chunk of years a lot of the time in computer programming at that time you aren't thinking in like twenty five thirty year chunks, but he starts to see this issue really early on um so he spends the next twenty years trying to make this known he is largely ignored now
1: yeah I mean that's that's the the whole western thing, isn't it like for, huh Global warming. We won't have to worry about that for another twenty years. Yeah, global this is, warming. This is the we character at the, the, <laughs> at the start of the
0: at the start of the Roland Emmerich movie. Yes. Um, to quote Alan Greenspan, who most people will know as the um, chairman of the Fed from the late '80s to the early aughts, um, there, he has a quote here. He says. I'm one of the culprits who created this problem. I used to write those programs back in the 1960s and 1970s, and I was proud of the fact that I was able to squeeze a few elements out of space of my program by not having to put a 19 before the year. Back then, it was very important. We used to spend a lot of time running through various mathematical exercises before we started to write our programs, so they could be very clearly delimited with respect to space and the use of capacity. It never entered our minds that those programs would have lasted for more than a few years. As a consequence, they are very poorly documented. This is, uh, you know, the classic thing about why are train tracks this wide? It's because Roman carts were that wide.
1: Yes, yes, yes. We do it this way because we've always done it this way.
0: Exactly. So you're in this exciting time of computers and um, the possibilities seem limitless. Who would have predicted that the fix-it that you do right now is going to be a problem 30 years down the line? Hmm. Now... By the nineteen eighties, this starts to become a problem that gets noticed because it's a problem to finance bros. Ugh.
1: Wait, you mean the finance bros actually help this somewhat or hinder this somewhat? Are we booing the finance bros or are we celebrating them for once?
0: Sam, I'm speaking it through vomit, but they helped.
1: Oh no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So the issue is, in the 1980s, you have bonds that are maturing over years and years and years. You know when you're, like, born and your grandma would buy you a savings bond and be like, you can cash this out when you're 25 and it'll save you a uh, eighty seven or whatever. That sort of thing.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, if I know you're of it. I don't age, have it.
0: Yeah. I, I had some that came uh, maturity when I was, like, a teenager. Um However, if you are buying these, like, say, 20-year bonds for a kid who's born in the 1980s, these are going to come due after the millennium. So they started to see this issue right away in their computers. Uh, Mm. By 1987, the New York Stock Exchange had reportedly spent over $20 million, including a team of 100 programmers. So I know that we talk about this as one big issue. The y2k bug but there are actually a bunch of different bugs so for example there was a bug on october 10th 2000 that's because that's the first date that was going to be um once you hit 10 10 2000 um and both the month and the day are double digits it becomes a larger number some places would only have that as a single number Uh, There's going to be one in 2038. There was one in 2007, which I didn't even hear about. Um, So there's a number of issues that are sort of built into the system that we have to foresee and try to stop ahead of time.
1: So Uh, these are going to keep on coming then?
0: Oh, yes, they're absolutely going to keep on coming. Um, 2038 has something to do with um, with bit size. And the fact that 2038 is, like, the largest number that you can store or something like that. I, uh, I studied arts, guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are two arts people talking to each other about a field we know a nothing about.
0: Mm-hmm. So, in the wider imagination, you have this idea of planes are going to fall from the sky. Um, you know, stock up on bottled water and canned food that sort of thing. But inside all of these smaller organizations, you have teams working to try to make sure that their system works. So for example, you know, there isn't one big company, you aren't going to have IBM come to like your small town news and say, ah, I see that you've been putting your newspaper online for the last five years, we're going to help you fix the issues in the code. No, you small town news have to hire somebody to try to fix it first right so because of this there's no one person and no one team who stopped this issue there's no hero of the y2k bug and that's part of why we consider it to sort of be a fraud in general thinking nothing happened so there was no threat right no.
1: Well, this is this is mm-hmm. the problem. Period. Right? That when a threat is averted ahead of time and it doesn't cause any damage, they go, "Well, we never had to worry about that in the first place." It's, no, no, no. We we absolutely did. It's 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 hard to show most people uh, a negative if that makes any sense. It's like uh, va- vaccinations is a really good example. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to show people, like, this is the amount of people who would have died if we didn't get vaccinated. This is the exactly. amount of people who have died because they aren't vaccinated is easy. But then people go, oh, well, you know, they had this and that and the other thing. You know, they come up with all kinds of excuses. So, yeah, trying to, trying to explain to people a thing that doesn't exist because we stopped it from existing. Yeah. Yeah, And that's
0: not to say that there were no errors anywhere. So, for instance, some of the issues were um, Al Gore's presidential campaign website showed the year as 19,100. A nuclear weapons plant in Tennessee. uh, The bug disrupted a computer that tracks weight and type of nuclear material operations were unaffected. They basically shut it down for like three hours because if you'll remember, everybody was on the clock then going like, okay, if something happens, we've got to be watching at 11.59. That sort of thing. Um, A more fun one is a video Mm -hmm. store in upstate New York tried to charge a customer $91,250 in late fees because a rented (laughs) movie had been returned a hundred years late. God. But relatively <laughs> see that you've speaking you've
1: take, you've taken this yeah. VHS out 100 odd years ago. Real sorry about it, but you're gonna owe quite a bit of money. It's like the VHS has only existed for 6 months, this particular I, one.
0: I really wish that this had uh, I got this from an AP article. I really wish that <laughs> that this had shown the the movie cuz no matter what that's going to be fun knowing exactly what movie is like you, you, the obvious one is 2001 a space odyssey, but uh, I want to see the person who, uh, who rented like, Oh, I don't know. The Santa Claus for a hundred years.
1: Yeah. Shakespeare in love.
0: Jungle to jungle. I don't know why I'm only doing. I'm I'm just trying to think of jungle to jungle. I'm trying to think of bad movies that I knew of in the late 1990s.
1: <laughs> oh, it's a film with a young Paul Dano. <laughs> Wait,
0: really is he the son?
1: I think he's this I'm pretty sure oh either that gosh. or it's a or it's a kid who looks just like Paul Dano. Hold on, I'm looking it up. Yeah Tim Allen, Martin Short, Joe Beth Williams. Sorry, it's Sam Huntington, the ah. guy who looks like Paul Dano, but gotcha. he's hotter, oh yeah, he's so, way hotter
0: nowadays nowadays uh so I'm gonna throw another quote at you uh this guy was um. John Koskinen, he was Clinton's Y2K czar. I don't know why they always have to be czars. I would think that I would not want to be called a czar, but whatever.
1: Um, no, I, I, I insist on being called God Emperor of Dune.
0: <laughs> czar of all the Y2Ks. Uh, he said, industries and companies don't spend $100 billion or devote these personal resources to a problem they think is not serious. Koskinen says the people who knew best were the people who were working the hardest and spending the most this is innumerable programmers devoting sometimes years to finding solutions at every single place they were not treated as heroes there's one um, one programmer in this time article who says his reward for getting it right was uh, lunch and a pen
1: oh uh, Yay. yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, Paul Sappho, who's a futurist and adjunct professor at Stanford University, said there was no incentive for everybody to say we should put up a monument to the anonymous COBOL professor who changed two lines in code in the software at your bank because this was solved by many people in small ways. So in some ways you get this um, weird two sides of the coin with the Y2K debate. You get people who say, yes, it was a disaster and it was averted. And you get people who say, what are you talking about? There was never any issue. The system worked exactly like it was supposed to.
1: Huh. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah.
0: I, uh, I kind of wish that this was more well known that when infrastructure works properly, it should be invisible. And uh, boy, I sure wish we could have taken this lesson.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not like there's a widely successful podcast that's based entirely around the invisible world of architecture and design that helps the world <laughs> chug along and is voiced by a sultry man from, oh gosh, what is it? The Bay Area? I don't know. In beautiful, beautiful downtown up- Oakland, California. Down- <laughs> Oakland, California? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I think it's called One Percent was... Visible.
1: One <laughs> percent in your face.
0: <laughs> and there's an
1: explosion and a kickflip. Roman right. this Mars would
0: be a great <laughs> topic for a Roman Mars story.
1: Hey Roman Mars, if you ever want to appear on a podcast and lend your voice to ours, by all means.
0: But it's one of those things that unless you live through it, I don't think you can actually understand just how big a deal this was, how scared some people were, and how absolutely nothing changed for 99.99% of people because of a lot of hard work that was never acknowledged.
1: Oh, absolutely. I I remember, like you said at the beginning, the, the jokes we were making about it. I know kids in my class whose parents were stocking up on water and canned food and stuff because they were legitimately worried that this would be the collapse of society and mm-hmm. thanks to who knows how many hundreds or thousands of hard-working people it didn't happen
0: mm-hmm. Mm. And that's it. That's what living through the millennium was like, guys. We were living in the best of times, and we didn't know it.
1: Yeah. If only we could go back to those innocent times of playing Super Smash Bros in a basement.
0: (laughs) I'm just thinking, like, Oh, we could we could speed run a few of our personal issues if we could just lean into those 12-year-old kids and say like, listen, you're this, this and this. Don't worry about it.
1: <laughs> Sam, you're gay. Come on.
0: <laughs> I would have been like, don't worry about it and also maybe get on antidepressants a little earlier and see if your parents could buy you Apple stock for your birthday.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so many things, I think. All these events that could have changed my life. Sam, don't, whatever you do, don't go to university for film studies. Just,
0: because
1: <laughs> now you drive a forklift.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I work with Excel all day. I never touched Excel one time in those four years. <laughs>
1: God damn it. Anyway, uh, let's do a little background on Black Adder to catch people up to where we are with this show.
0: Black Adder.
1: Because... Black Adder. <laughs> Because uh, this special, the special's good, it's standalone, but it's the last official Black Adder anything that has come out since
0: 1999.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so as it stands, it is the final Black Adder story. Uh, Black Adder is a sitcom that was made by Tony Curtis. Uh, I believe it started in 1983? 82?
0: I think you're thinking of Richard Curtis.
1: Richard Curtis? Who's Tony Curtis? I'm getting confused. Point being, it was initially a sitcom all about uh, Black Adder, uh, who is... Uh, how how do you describe him as a character?
0: Uh unrepentant asshole, out for all that he can get, surrounded by idiots, I suppose.
1: Yeah, it's just, he's... Copy it's and not replace like,
0: this through different eras.
1: Yeah, he. it's not like he's the bad guy, because all he wants is to be on top.
0: Right, he wants to be the most. He's powerful like a person. he's like a cartoon fox or or coyote in old stories. You know, he's a wily trickster.
1: Yeah, and he is unfortunately beset by everyone being absolutely incompetent around him at all times. Both his lessers, his equals, and his superiors—they are all mm-hmm. incompetent. Mm-hmm. And so uh, pretty much every episode of the show involves a scheme or a cunning plan to advance him somehow. And that's kind of it, right? It's, it's various hilarious bits in different time periods, sometimes with historical figures showing up, like the man who wrote the dictionary and Wellington and Queen Elizabeth the First.
0: Yeah, it's sort of that classic sitcom setup of create these very strong, or not necessarily strong characters, characters with very strong wants and needs, and then set them against each other.
1: Yeah, yeah. And every once in a while he does things maliciously, but he's not that much of a bastard that you hate him through the whole thing. Because you you kind of want to see him succeed every once in a while.
0: Yeah, because that's the thing. Usually his, he looks like he's going to succeed and then it's foiled at the very end by something that he has not foreseen.
1: Or he succeeds in such a way that it actually sets him back further than when he, where he started.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the episode begins with a montage to the theme tune. And we see the title cards that say Blackadder Films in association with Baldrick Dodgy Catering Company. And one screen that says, the final episode in the saga of the Blackadder family, who have forever been at the center of British history and society. And thus, through this montage, we see various Blackadders through the ages, both middle and otherwise. (laughs) <laughs> using historical documents and cleverly photoshopping in Rowan Atkinson's head into all kinds of old-timey pictures,
0: the including one—a a photo of yeah, Queen Victoria,
1: a sexy lady lying on a couch with Rowan Atkinson's head. <laughs> And then we cut to a grand manor on december thirty first, nineteen ninety nine. And the interior, as various character actors have gathered for New Year's Eve. Why, it's oh. Hugh Laurie. And over there, it's Stephen Fry. And right beside him, Tim McInne, whose name <laughs> we can't pronounce.
0: <laughs> yeah, you cannot beat this cast.
1: And Miranda Richardson. And of god, course Oh god, I love her Oh god, she's, she's incredible And of course, Rowan Atkinson At the head of the table As Blackadder mm. himself Blackadder is a title, it's not a name
0: Uh, no, it's his last name He's like the Lord Blackadder or something
1: Yeah, but it's it's a title that was given to him In the first very first season And it's handed ah, down okay. Like, you are the Blackadder Mm Mm-hmm so Blackadder apologizes for the food as the chef got an invitation to an orgy at Delia Smith's. <laughs> and we find that the food has been prepared by the latest of a long line of Baldrick's. Uh, Baldrick, yes, Baldrick being... is
0: always uh, Blackadder's <laughs> what? Assistant? Punching uh, bag?
1: Secondhand man? Yeah. It he, he's always a complete idiot, covered in grime, and possibly one of the most disgusting people to exist in that time. And there's always a black adder and there's always a baldric. And of course, this uh, this baldric enters in to see to everyone he is wearing a sexy maid apron with large fake breasts and nothing else.
0: Uh this show loves a pair of fake breasts. It considers nothing so funny.
1: <laughs> I, and and fake breasts that aren't even remotely like oh, oh, I thought those were real. It's like no. No, they are fa- very obvious fake comedy breasts.
0: Spencer's gift comedy breasts.
1: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So the guests are discussing, you know, ah, it's the new millennium and looking towards the future. And Blackadder says, no, I believe that we should also be looking towards the past. At which point all the guests harumph him and say, no, that's impossible. One can never look at at the past (laughs) unless you look in the toilet.
0: Yeah, I, uh, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I find the comedy in this one a little rough, a little rough. The the actual production quality is so much higher than everything else in Blackadder, but oof, I found the jokes a little rough.
1: Yeah, a lot of, uh, no joke, toilet humor. There is a lot of toilet humor happening in, in this episode. And for good reason. It's it's not always great, but everybody, the acting though, everybody feels like they haven't skipped a day, a year, right? That they've just fallen mm-hmm. back into these characters as naturally as possible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, Blackadder explains, "No, no, no. In order to look to the past, I have invented a time machine." And he gathers his guests downstairs to look at his beautiful time machine that he has built exactly from Da Vinci's plans in an old sketchbook he found. He then now of course makes this a... is just a con, <laughs> yeah, or it's, so it's he a... thinks. Yeah, it's 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 the he he had passed off the building to Baldric because Blackadder never gets his hands dirty for anything. And Baldric is so incompetent that he can't build a fake time machine unless he builds a real time machine. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. The the idea of the con was uh Blackadder then wagers to his guests that he will in fact travel through time and he will pick up items from the past that they themselves will choose. He'll pop into the past and pop back immediately with all these items for 10,000 pounds each
0: uh, like Lord Wellington's actual Wellingtons from the Battle of Waterloo
1: yeah a centurion helmet and a pair of 200 year old underpants why he would want 200 year old underpants is beyond us
0: how he got into my 200 year old underpants I'll never know
1: Yeah So while, while he's talking with the guests We see Baldrick running around like a catacomb As he's gathering you know, Replicas Of each of these items Right, An old pair of wellies, mm-hmm. an old helmet And then he just reaches into his pants To pull out his own underpants Because they mm-hmm. are Probably 200 years old
0: And Disgusting
1: Disgusting. Uh, It's Baldrick. He's always disgusting. So they hop into the time machine, Baldrick and Blackadder, pull a bunch of levers, and wouldn't you know it, they actually are transported back in time to the, I don't know, Cretaceous period. What's the one with the death of the dinosaurs?
0: Um, is it the the Jurassic? uh, No, I think the Cretaceous was after.
1: uh, I'll look it up. Are we paleontologists? Are we? No. We're artists. So, yeah, they, they show up in ye olde dino times. <laughs> and
0: It was in the Cretaceous.
1: Thank you. I knew I know something about dinosaurs. <laughs> Beyond the fact that I hate pterodactyls. Motherfuckers.
0: Why? Is it because they're going to swoop down on you?
1: I don't like pterodactyls. They evolved wrong.
0: Is it because of their dactyls?
1: They evolved wrong. It's their heads. They they've got stupid heads.
0: Oh, uh, oh, okay, I see. Yes, uh, I'm not gonna fight you on that.
1: Yeah, just just look at a bunch of different pterodactyl skulls. There's one that its nose cavity was so big you could fit its whole body through it. It's like, no, that's <laughs> stupid. Why would you evolve a <laughs> nose cavity big enough to fit your body into? That makes no sense. <laughs> Oh I hate pterodactyls.
0: Uh, they so, are on the list.
1: Yes. Uh <laughs> uh They open the door, it's beautiful outside, but oh no, they're immediately set by a large animatronic te- t- t-rex. And uh oh, no. this is really good actually. It's surprisingly good.
0: Yes, it looks very good.
1: If you've Do you see- know
0: why this uh, <laughs> this has a lot more money than the rest?
1: Uh, Millennium?
0: Yes, <laughs> but in a weird way. So this was actually made not to be shown on TV. This was made to be shown at the Millennium Center in London. Basically, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, I'm downtown London. I'm going to go on the Eye. I'm going to go to the Tower of London. I'm going to stop in at the Millennium Dome and watch the new 30-minute Blackadder special. That sort of thing. Like, they aired it eight times a day there.
1: Jeebs.
0: I know. So so Um, they got
1: that Millennium Money.
0: They got that millennium money. Um, However, this was not actually aired on BBC until October of 2000 because the BBC and Sky were fighting over who actually got to do it. They're like, these are BBC characters. The actors thought it was going to eventually be on BBC. This needs to be on the BBC. And they're like, fine, you can have it months later.
1: Why not just give it to everyone?
0: All right. That's the point of the BBC, or at least will be until the Tories continue to gut it.
1: Yeah, fucking Tories. Anyway, British politics aside. Yeah, it's a a really good animatronic T-Rex that immediately starts to try to get into the time machine. But thankfully, they are able to uh, get rid of it by putting Baldrick's very old underpants up its nose. It immediately dies.
0: Now, once I knew this about uh, the Millennium Center and all that, I was like, okay, it kind of makes more sense why this has, like, more toilet humor. It needs to uh, not be watched by one family one time, but you need you have consistent crowds coming in to see this with kids and families and stuff. Like, okay, I kinda get it. It doesn't make me like it more, but I understand it more.
1: Yeah, they they've gone for more of the lowest common denominator in order to get this out. Mm-hmm. So now it turns out that Baldrick's underpants are the things that killed the dinosaurs. But um oh, no. Well, in order to escape, they pull a bunch of levers and it turns out they have no way of understanding how to navigate the time stream because Baldric forgot to label anything. So <laughs> they're, they're just pulling levers left, right and center. And where should this the- is
0: a great setup for the very brief sketches throughout this.
1: Yeah, I I really like this in order to both expedite the plot and to give us a whole bunch of different uh, recognizable places and people.
0: Mm-hmm. It really mm-hmm. is a great wrap-up to the Blackadder series, letting you do all of these different places, all of these different people.
1: Mm-hmm. So here it's kind of a, a bit of a best of slash clip mm-hmm. show, but all with brand new scenes as opposed to like, uh, oh, don't you remember that time we got stranded on an iceberg? <laughs> right? So the first time that they pull all the levers, they think they've shown up back at Blackadder's estate. In actuality, it's the court of Queen Elizabeth I, as played by Miranda Richardson again.
0: Miranda Richardson, a tremendously, like, powerful actor. She has a real sense of will to her. Uh, So to go back and see her doing the silliest thing ever is a real delight.
1: Yeah, Queen Elizabeth I with her little speech impediment.
0: (laughs) She speaks like a little girl.
1: Oh, Blackadder, have you brought me anything?
0: (laughs) If we go back to uh, like a movie that we covered before, very early in the show, The the Phantom of the Opera, and think of Miranda Richardson there, where she's just like flint. She has a uh, steel spine, that sort of thing. It's, It's so delightful to me that that's the same actor playing Queen Elizabeth.
1: She's got range.
0: She has range. And also, like, she's an incredibly beautiful woman, and she is not afraid to be very silly.
1: Very silly. Well, Queen Elizabeth recognizes him as Blackadder because there is a Blackadder at that time. However, he's far older and far uglier than her Blackadder, so she immediately has the guards... Seize him and set about beheading him unless he can give her a present because she loves a present. So Blackadder goes through his pockets and the first thing he comes up with of wondrous future technology that he can give as a present is a Tesco's points card. (laughs)
0: his description of just how terrible a rewards point program is really did make me laugh
1: it's so that once a month you can get half off a tin of beans
0: exactly
1: yes I'm lucky if I get that that ten bucks off a month you know from my for my freaking what's it called card optimum Optimum. optimum yeah optimum yeah. Grr. well that doesn't work and she wants him beheaded immediately but in his panic his he accidentally drops a whole bunch of polo mints onto the ground and she needs to know what are those and he pops one in her mouth and she is delighted by this minty It's sweet.
0: literally <laughs> That tweet of going back to uh, to medieval times and giving a peasant a cool ranch Dorito and seeing how it, like, explodes their brain.
1: <laughs> this sentence would kill a Victorian child.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, she has her mind blown by it, and she is amazed by the fact that not everything smells like shit anymore. <laughs> so... In reward for his service, she gives him the crown and sends him on his merry way to get more mints for her. Or else. Uh, On his way out, he runs into William Shakespeare, as played by one young and dashing Colin Firth.
0: Now this is going to shock you, but this is always my favorite part.
1: (laughs) A. Colin Firth. Very sexy, very handsome. Don't care about the bad, the bad Shakespeare wig. He looks great.
0: To be honest, I never quite got like he he's he's an attractive man, but I never quite got it until like King Speech era, where I was like, yeah, that's 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 an older gentleman who knows what he's doing.
1: Ooh yeah, stutter at me, daddy. <laughs>
0: I think you're thinking more of Hugh Grant.
1: (laughs) Anyway. Uh, Blackadder. But
0: just the constant insults that he throws at Shakespeare, even though I disagree with all of them, make me very happy.
1: Yeah. Blackadder convinces him to sign the cover of Macbeth for him using a a biro, or as we call it over here, a ballpoint pen. And then he Mm -hmm. punches him. And continues to berate <laughs> him about, I hate your shitty plays, I don't enjoy performing them in school, I can't believe we have to keep on doing this in the future, and it's all your fault. And then he fucks off.
0: Is so, this the, the one with the Bernal line, or is that not until later? The what? The Bernal line. Which one's that? Oh, so at one point, this is my favorite part, (laughs) even though I very much, again, like Kenneth Branagh and generally am in favor of his adaptations. um, He punches Shakespeare in the face and says, that's for Kenneth Branagh's four-hour Hamlet. And Shakespeare says, who's Ken Branagh? And and Blackadder says, I'm going to tell him you said that and he's going to be very (laughs) sad. (laughs)
1: oh yeah
0: (laughs) like listen I love Bernard, but I also recognize that he gets like every he deserves every shot taken at him as you know defender of Shakespeare
1: I I, the one thing that I will always give uh, Kenneth props for is I believe it was his not Richard the Third. It was one of the history plays that he did as a film, and the entire film is, yeah, you know, straight as anything. It's it's like we are giving reverence to these lines and this these acts. Uh, I think it was Henry the the, the I think
0: fifth. you Henry the Fifth. Yeah, yeah, that's his first one. And then and it opens with uh with Derek Jacobi going like. I'm on a stage, this is all a play and then cut to the rest of the movie
1: yeah, the the very end of it, he's been through everything and he's about to kiss I think it was uh, was it Emma Watson in that? I don't know, Emma Thompson
0: uh, it was Emma Thompson I
1: always yeah. get their last names confused, I'm sorry they shouldn't have had such similar last names if they didn't want it that way but he's about to <laughs> the English <laughs> He's about to kiss Emma Thompson. It's a very romantic and close scene. And just as their lips are about to touch, he goes, Oh, here's your father. And the door opens up and in (laughs) walks that. And I'm sure it's normally played a very different way on stage, a very serious way. But he decided, let's do a silly one here instead.
0: (laughs) Just for fun. Let's do one silly one. (laughs) He was 29 when he made that movie. At that point, he was the youngest person ever to be nominated for Best Director.
1: Jeebs.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Damien Chazelle has since passed him. Damien Chazelle won his Oscar for directing when he was, I believe, 27. Shut up. I know, right?
1: Ugh, God. So, (laughs) he hops back in the space... The, the the time machine. It's not a TARDIS. The
0: Pandorica. It looks like the Pandorica. It
1: looks like the Pandorica for sure. Uh, and they fly off again into the far future to wind up in the middle of a space battle. Which they immediately try to get out of and they land in Sherwood Forest and meet Robin Hood, a real historical person. <laughs>
0: played by rick mile who his recurring role in the show is lord flashheart who i love mainly because he only shows up like one episode every series and it's very funny and then fucks off because he sort of sucks all the oxygen out of the room like if flashheart's on screen everybody's going to be wondering where's flashheart
1: (laughs) and uh, he's playing robin hood in the same vein which is also, very against the grain for the actor normally, who is um, nebbish and and filled with mm. anxiety. And instead, Lord Flashheart, or in this case, Robin Hood, is a sex pot. Woof! <laughs> <laughs> so it's. Uh,
0: and unfortunately, uh, Blackadder turns all of his men against him.
1: Yes, his. Band of freedom fighters who have good muscle tone and aren't gay.
0: Oh, yeah. Except for Will Scarlet.
1: Who's a puff in tights. Oh, boy.
0: The 1999 is really popping through, isn't it?
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) The fact that this was playing to uh, just public people who walked in and could watch it and it just every um what is it you said eight times a day would say poof in tights
0: yeah i uh when you were talking earlier about like being able to go back then i'm like this is the no society has changed so fast in this regard i would not give that up for anything
1: no no but Maid marion is played by kate moss
0: she looks incredible. Every every time I see Kate Moss, I am astonished by how beautiful she is. I'm like, oh, that's Kate Moss. Famous, beautiful person. My God, she's beautiful.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a reason we she was the supermodel of the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Like, there were other, like, high-profile supermodels, but Kate Moss was the pinnacle of the supermodels.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, uh, Blackadder convinces the Merry Men to murder Robin, and he's impaled with lots of arrows, especially in the crotch. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Forward to the Battle of Waterloo, and we get to see the French and the English sides, and they are all very silly people. Yeah,
0: Simon Russell Beale is there. uh, He's playing Napoleon. I always love seeing Simon Russell Beale. He's fun. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's like a he's like a lesser Simon Callow.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll always think of Simon Callow, though. Mm-hmm. So Wellington, as played by Stephen Fry this time, uh, he's talking to his troops. He's saying, I have a plan. We're going to let the French troops get within a hundred yards of us, and then. And then we will do this very cunning and intelligent plan that I have devised right now. And that is... And then the time machine falls on him and crushes him to death. (laughs) Brilliant. Blackadder quickly pops out of the time machine to apologize and steals his wellies. Because he figures, well, since we're stuck in the past, I might as well try to make that 10,000 pounds... Hop back in. This
0: also has uh, two darlings, a French darling and an English darling. Very fun. And the French doing ridiculous accents.
1: I, I think it's in part to try and fix the plot hole of why are some people those characters over and over again? And then they are different kinds of those characters in a different situation. Mm. And the plot hole being, fuck it. We'll, we'll just have them play a bunch of different
0: characters. And also, like, wouldn't it be funny if we had the French saying a bunch of jokes about the French? Yeah. This is too good to leave out. We need to have French characters. We need to... Sh- this is also a little homophobic.
1: We need to shit on the French a bunch.
0: Yeah. Soon we will be mincing all over their land. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on, I- I guys. Know. I was really enjoying it.
1: I know. But Blackadder hops back in the time machine, pulls a bunch of levers, and then has... Um, A nice little shock as Postman Pat pops out of a door.
0: (laughs) Okay, I wasn't certain that that was Postman Pat, but I thought that's what it was. Oh,
1: it's definitely Postman Pat. I know my Postman Pats. And you, madam, you are no Postman Pat.
0: I am his yellow cat. That's it, right? That's the next line?
1: No, it's not a yellow cat. It's a black and white cat.
0: Oh, I thought it was Postman Pat and his yellow cat.
1: Postman Pat... Postman Pat, Postman Pat, and his black and white cat.
0: Uh, I think yellow scans better. I'm gonna stick with uh, my version. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, I think you can be sentenced to treason against the crown for such statements.
0: Ha <laughs> ha! Sucks on you. I'm already in the colonies.
1: Uh, it's extra special treason that extends to the colonies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, they're gonna send me to Australia? Oh no, no, please don't send me to Australia. No,
1: they're gonna send you to the second, more secret Australia, you know, the one roll Space Australia. <laughs> Space Australia. <laughs> Run by the mole people.
0: <laughs> Where everything really is upside down. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> you ridiculous human being. <laughs>
0: Speaking of ridiculous,
1: (laughs) they arrive at the Roman invasion of England, where an ancient Roman Blackadder, but he's not Blackadder, he is only referred to as Centurion throughout this whole thing, because Blackadder, as a term, wasn't made until the first season of Blackadder. Ah, look at us keeping the lore. And, Bal- and Baldrick.
0: <laughs> oh, there's another lore bit about this, because they are, in fact, all speaking English.
1: Oh, but that's commented upon by Stephen Fry when he yes. shows up in a uh, centurion outfit that is... So the visual
0: oh, joke of God,
1: this. my God.
0: Every time somebody rises in rank, their skirt gets shorter. And it's not... I mean... I say skirt. I don't know what you would call that sort of pleated skirt that uh, that Romans wore. Um, <laughs> until Stephen Fry arrives, and it's it's more like a, a, a belt. He's yep. just wearing tiny whiteies and a big belt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's great. It's it's a very good joke. And Blackadder is commenting on uh, excellent. We'll be able to hold back the the Scots easily with this three-foot wall we've put up. I, I don't know about you, Sarah. Do you, do you know anything about Hadrian's Wall? Why it's a three-foot wall?
0: My assumption would be that Hadrian's Wall, as it is now, is three feet tall, But that is not what it looked like then. Uh, Same thing if you go to the Great Wall of China. The Great Wall of China that people walk on, that you see photos of, is largely reconstructed. You get to the end of it and you see the unreconstructed part. And it kind of looks like Hadrian's Wall. Like it's a bunch of stones in a field that you're like, oh, I could get through that. But the part that I'm standing on now that's 14 feet tall, that's what it used to look like. That would be my assumption.
1: Hmm. Maybe. I'm sure there's somebody out there who could educate us on that, but they would have to come on to an episode and help us with some stuff. Yeah. So teach us that way, losers.
0: Pay for play, bitches.
1: Mm -hmm. Fun fact about the Great Wall of China. Cannot be seen from space.
0: Because it is very long, but it is also very skinny. It's like Two to three meters wide at times. It would be very difficult to be seen.
1: (laughs) If you could see the Great Wall of China from space, you could also see like the Sky Dome from space or most buildings from space.
0: The majority of roads.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. A very large whale.
0: (laughs) That would be cool. Uh, I've been on the Great Wall of China... It is badass. It is a lot more of a cardio workout than you think it is going to be.
1: Well, check that off of my list of places to go. So, modern Blackadder manages to steal a centurion's helmet just before an enormous orange hedge, I'm sorry, a horde of Scots attacks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, if you thought they hated the uh, The French. They hate the Scottish even more.
1: (laughs) To be fair, to be fair, uh, my family, the Gladstons, Gladstone is my last name, is a derivation from Gladstone, which came from Gledstone, which means a great big rock where kites used to perch. We are a Scottish family, we're a subsect of Clan Campbell, and, uh, the Brits can go fuck themselves.
0: But you see how you've been so thoroughly colonized over the years that you consider yourself... Like, your family is from the so-so-south of England now. Sure,
1: but we used to be from when England was Scotland, and then before Scotland when it was land.
0: (laughs) Uh, And so we return to the Cretaceous period when we were all T-Rexes.
1: Yes, all of us. Every single one. You're a T-Rex and you're a T-Rex. Check under your table. Everyone's a T-Rex. So Blackadder and Baldrick manage to escape once more. But they despair over the idea that, oh no, because we can't figure out these controls, we'll be unhinged in time forever. But... And as anyone who has ever watched previous Black Adders, Boldrick has a cunning plan. It's it's a thing he says in all the other...
0: As cunning as a fox who studied cunning... Yes, we get it. We get it. It's a very cunning plan.
1: It's a cunning plan. He suggests that if Black Adder was to drown himself, his whole life would flash before his eyes. And in doing so... He'd be able to see where the controls were before they mucked about with them, and thus be able to set them back to that position and return them back to the present. Blackadder has...
0: Now, this is working on cartoon logic, where, like, a coconut falling on your head will undo what previously happened when a coconut fell on your head, but I enjoy it in a cartoon logic way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Blackadder has one small adjustment he'd like to make to it, which is uh, instead of Blackadder <laughs> drowning himself, they're just going to drown Baldric in uh, the time machine. It turns out that the time machine looks as though it's been uh, built partially from an outhouse, so they have a bucket of water ready to drown Baldric in. It's a toilet. Yeah. Yep. More toilet humor. So he sees his life flash before his eyes. They find where the levers are, and so they pull them all, and bing, bang, boom. They're back in the present. The guests are all there waiting. And they celebrate Blackadder's accomplishment. Say congratulations, and here you are, ten thousand francs. Wh- what?
0: Are you meaning to tell me that all of that unethical messing about in history has changed something?
1: (gasps) Mon dieu. I mean, good God. So it turns out that upon (laughs) killing Wellington, England lost the Battle of Waterloo and the French took over. Well, can't have that, can we? so blackadder hops back
0: oh yeah robin hood is dead nobody's heard of robin hood and then my favorite is because he had shakespeare sign with a a ballpoint pen shakespeare is unknown as an author but famous as the inventor of the ballpoint pen
1: a truly incredible discovery so he hops back in the time machine to set things right he makes sure that robin doesn't get killed He makes sure that Shakespeare becomes famous again and does not become the inventor of the ballpoint pen. And then he moves Wellington off to the side slightly and saves Britain. Hooray! That's better.
0: He comes back. He ensures that all is set right. Yep, everything's exactly as it's supposed to be. They're paying him £10,000 now, that sort of thing. And, uh, And one of them says, Boy... It's a good thing that you're so, you're such a good guy, Blackadder. An unethical person could really make some changes with a time machine.
1: At which point Blackadder says, "I've Just got to do something quickly. Uh, I'll join you guys upstairs to watch the new year come in. Be back shortly. So they all go upstairs to watch the new year get re- reined in. Ringed in, runged in, I don't know how to say that. Rangin,
0: Ranged in, wrangled. Wrangled. Wrung like a dishcloth.
1: Celebrated to some degree.
0: Wrangler jeans.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, BBC Royal Correspondent Jenny Bond, actual BBC Cor- oh, Royal Correspondent Jer- <laughs> Jenny Bond is on the telly.
0: Again, making this weird that this is not a BBC yep,
1: production. Yeah. Uh, she's on the telly talking about, oh, here comes a car, and out of it steps His Royal Highness, King Edmund III. And who should it be? Why, it's Blackadder. He's traveled back in time and made himself King of England. And not just that, he's made Baldrick Prime Minister. And, oh, who's joining him? His lovely and beautiful wife, Maid Marian slash Kate Moss. Hooray!
0: He's done it. At the end of the century, at the end of history, Blackadder has come up, finally.
1: Yeah, it finally, Blackadder is on top, and the world is set right, and uh, we're none the wiser for it.
0: Uh, except for the fact that, like, he, he, he dissolved Parliament, and Baldrick is just, like, his puppet.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely none. And then we go through the credits where they give a little karaoke version of the theme song. It's lovely. And various credits like the dinosaur was played by a Tyrannosaurus Rex or the Horde of Scott was played (laughs) by a Scottish Horde. (laughs) Excellent. The end. And we haven't seen a single one of those since that point.
0: I like that. I like it when somebody says, we're actually really done, and then they stick to it.
1: Yeah, so it's been 23 years of actually being done.
0: <laughs> I appreciate it. It would. I mean, everybody's still alive. Everybody could still come back to it. Um, but I, uh, I know there were long gaps between the series, as it were, uh, but certainly nothing that was as long as the 10 years between Blackadder Goes Forth and this. Wait, when it would be very strange if they did when one. When did
1: Blackadder Christmas Carol come out?
0: Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think of that because Blackadder Goes Fourth is in um, is in nineteen eighty nine. And if you guys have ever seen a clip of it, you've probably seen it um, there, where it's the um, at the end of the series they go into the war. Um, Blackadder Christmas Carol was broadcast, first broadcast 1988. So it's between the Regency era and Black Adder Goes Forth.
1: Okay. Alright. And Black Adder Goes Forth has one of the saddest endings of the show.
0: <laughs> yes. The the only sad ending you could yeah,
1: argue. Yeah. Like, a legitimately sad, like, they knew what they were doing. They're like, we can't go out on a joke about World War One. We have to be somewhat reverent to it so yeah
0: yeah can i tell you real quick that there's a bit in the first wonder woman movie where she goes into no man's land and it's supposed to be very impressive right because it's no man's land and she's out there but the the fact that it's made by americans really sunk in for me at the time where i'm like i don't think they know as much about the horrors of world war one as we do because they came into it so late and the horrors of the trenches like i think if it were uh an English or Canadian or Australian, or you know French or something like that, company making a movie about World War One, they would not have a scene like that.
1: No, because it's
0: still the the horrors of it are still so well known.
1: I mean, keeping in mind that America doesn't consider that World War Two started until 1942, for some reason. <laughs> it's like no, yeah. no, we're pretty sure the World War Two went on for couple more years than just two and a half. Yeah. 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 There's, there's a lot of American history that uh, doesn't quite sit right from their point of view. Like uh, I, I lived in Colorado for a year. I had to take some American history. I remember the teacher going the war, going over like the war of 1812. And I was sitting there going, hold on a second. And he's like, yep. And then we won the war. And I said, no, no <laughs> you, you guys didn't win the war. You were trying to invade Canada. We pushed you off. You don't win at that point. <laughs> they don't see it
0: there. This is the thing. It's famously a war that is claimed to be won by both sides. Mm.
1: I, I think Canada didn't so much win as just be like, keep that line there, you fucks. Or we'll burn down more of your parliament <laughs> yeah. buildings. Yeah
0: and you know it's kind of a nation building thing for us Canada did, as it we know it didn't exist at the time and you could also argue that the war was kind of a draw yada 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 no, yeah, but yeah. you know it's a lot of fun to say but we burnt down your White House
1: that is always fun to say that <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: so Sarah on this final week of holiday season is Black Adder back and forth camp
0: I've got to say, no. Blackadder Back and Forth is a comedy, but it is much more reserved than the other Black Adders, and I don't think you can fairly call this camp. How about you?
1: I, I'm i in agreement. It's, it's funny, uh, but like like you explained the fact that it was made for kind of the public as opposed to being on television, they had to go for that lowest common denominator and being able to be shown eight times a day uh, I think you know, the actors have done camp things in Blackadder before Queen Elizabeth I is always camp she's funny but uh, beyond that it's more so just comedic than it is camp
0: yeah, I would also say that coming back to this uh, this year, I was shocked at how mean-spirited I found the comedy in Blackadder, particularly around the character of Blackadder himself. Um, my, my parents don't like the comedy of Blackadder. I've tried to get them to watch it because they love English comedy and they just hate it. And for some reason, watching it this year, I was like, oh, you know, I see it more than I used to. If I want something that's just going to straight up make me laugh, I'm going to go to the older episodes.
1: Mhm. Yeah, this this one is definitely an outlier. Mhm.
0: But again, a great finale to the series, I think. And again, I can't emphasize this enough. I'm so glad they ended it properly because you know there would be so much money in them coming back to it
1: oh gosh can you imagine how much money bbc offers them every single year to just be like just one more christmas special please come on just do it for us
0: exactly yeah. So thank you for joining us today on our exploration of Blackadder Back and Forth. Please subscribe on your podcaster of choice, leave a star rating, and review where you can, because it always helps us to find new people who may not know what their camp favorite is.
1: Yes, and next week we will be out of the holiday season and into a brand new year. And what better way to kick off the new year than with A, a guest, ooh, a guest, and b. The film, Showgirls.
0: (laughs) A classic of the genre, standing head and shoulders above the rest. I have not seen it.
1: I'm so excited to to hear what you make of this, uh, because it's an experience.
0: (laughs) Yeah, everybody got AIDS and shit. I'm very excited.
1: Oh, my God. It, um, it'll have you making a certain hand gesture over and over again Because it's very fun <laughs> And uh, you'll I, d-
0: I mean it's the second Verhoeven it's that we're covering It's our second
1: right? Verhoeven And uh, I think it's the first time that we're having Kyle McLaughlin on
0: Oh my, not as the guest
1: Not as the guest, no, Kyle McLachlan is not the guest Could you imagine? Holy shit
0: <laughs> apparently he has a very good sense of humor about this
1: oh I, I love that for him and I I love that most of the cast have kind of grown to like this more as they've gone it's, it's a shame uh, what it did to the star of the film but uh, and her mm-hmm. career but I think she's definitely come back to the idea that oh yeah no I uh, I while it didn't do for my career what I wanted it to, uh, she appreciates that it's grown such an enormous cult following.
0: Yes, there are a lot of people who do really love this movie.
1: Mm-hmm. And we'll see next week if you become one of them. And you are audience or twitter people our campers can continue the discussion on our twitter and our instagram and who knows what other platforms we may migrate to i am at hrys indigo all one word r-h-y-s spelled the welsh way
0: and i am at sour citrus lady you can follow the pod on at is it camp pod until next week wait an hour before swimming watch out for snakes and stay camp Bye.
1: Happy New Year.
0: <laughs> Those are fireworks. What do you think?
1: like it not too came. Okay. No, not the way you do it.